Hi, this is Justin Edinburgh, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. As always, thank you very much for subscribing. If you still want to subscribe and have it uploaded to your phone every week, you can do it via iTunes and Spotify. I'm Luke Edwards, and joining me again this week, a bit of a different lineup. No Rob. No Chris, no Tom, but we have got Dickie Wharton. Hello, Dickie. Hello there, Luke. And also, we have called him back. He was so good last time. Our special guest for this week, it's England Seas goalkeeping coach, Mick Payne. Hello, Mick. Yeah, yeah. good morning, Luke. Great to be back on it yet again. In terms of the National League, again, it's, it's taken another turn, hasn't it? Wrexham, they ran into the Orient Express on Saturday. And Mick, we ask this a lot where we say, is it better to have points on the board or games in hand? Well, Orient, they have both now. They're a point ahead of Wrexham and have at least one game in hand at the minute. Yeah, super. Uh, what a what a good big game that was. But if you don't mind me saying, Luke, it's now becoming what I call the business end, isn't it, of the uh, the league? No doubt about that. You know, ten ten games to go, and you're dead right. You know, if you've got the points in the bag like the Orient have, and you say you've got a game in hand as well, they hit seventy points now. Uh, by the counts, had a number of people that went to the game yesterday, so it was a super game. Of course, it was covered on BT as well. Great crowd of over six and a half thousand now, one thousand sort of. Uh, Wrexham supporters as well, so it's going to go right to the wire, there's no doubt about that in terms of the teams, and uh, yeah, I just think it's a really exciting league at the moment. Where do you stand on it, Mick, in terms of games in hand? Are you always thinking, well, we've got the games in hand, so we know if we win them where we stand, or are you always thinking, great, we've got the points in the bag? Mm, you know, it's a, it's a dilemma, isn't it? You know, um, personally, I like to have the points on the ball, personally, because you never, never know what happens. I mean, look at Barnet at the moment, Barnet uh, having a little bit of a wobble, like right? they've got games in hand, but, you know, they've got to play catch-up, they've got to win those games, you know, with other, you know, and then I just think the pressure's on then uh, to actually win those get points and uh, get away from safety, or, you know, in terms of especially Barnett, who uh, a falling life of stone for me at the moment. Also, that late Orient game as well was a, a reporter from the Italian newspaper Gazzetta della Sport. So the game really caught the imagination all around Europe and maybe even the world, which just shows the stature of the National League as a whole. In terms of Salford, massive win for them as well. They halted Solihull Moors' recent run and um, Graham Alexander hailed it as an excellent week for the club. And, and that's a massive result for Salford, isn't it, Mick, in terms of they, they, they've bounced back from a, a little bit of a, a blip they've been on and, and Solihull Moors have been sort of relentless this year. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, Salford, we know what they bring and what they can uh, achieve. Uh, you're right. I mean, they've been indifferent of late. Um, you know, uh, sort of lost a few and then they've gone bang, bang, bang and won three on the spin now, which is uh, vital for them. And uh, they're back in the hunt, no doubt about that. And they will definitely be in the shake-up. Uh, you know, I saw them at the Orient changing up and uh, they really impressed me at that day. But... Uh, you know, as I say, it's uh, top six, seven clubs. They're all vying for that position. And, and Dickie, in terms of Solihull Moors, Tim Flowers has always been talking it down a little bit, hasn't he, about how well they can do. But do you think the pressure may be too much for them? I don't know. I think it's probably a bit much to say that on the basis of, of that that one result, um, that there is... They're still a really, really very good team. You know, and I think that they'll, or I won't say certainties to be a playoff place, but I th- certainly think in terms of, the, if, of actually winning the title, you'd have to say that, you know, Orient are in the box seat now. And, and so maybe Tim Flowers has been writing that that has been, you know, to talk about them going up as champions might be a little bit of a stretch, to be perfectly honest. But I still think they'll be in there. They've, you know, they've not got, 
where they are by luck or anything like that. So I think they'll still be a playoff contender. Just if you don't mind me saying, you're, you're dead right there, you know, in terms of, sorry, how what everyone I, I speak to, I say I've seen them once this year, only once, unfortunately, but everyone said they're a really uh, big outfit who are difficult to play against. You know, play, you know, they play a certain way, no doubt about that, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with that if you're going to get results. So, uh, let's get it right, you know, they are definitely going to be down there about at the end of it, and uh, I'm sure they will... Uh, still be vying for those, uh, those top positions. They will, and I think Tim Flowers, I know I, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and he was very honest about it. You know, he said, we like to put teams under pressure and make things difficult yeah. for them. I know there's some comment from maybe fans of other teams that it's it's not the prettiest, but you know what, it really is effective, and as I say, it's, it's no accident that they are where they are. A team we've waxed lyrical about the last few weeks, Mick, uh, Gate said, I mean, what a fantastic season you're having. You've had a couple of the, their players called up to the England C squad as well, most notably Greg Olley, who scored again on Saturday, and what a fantastic season they're having under the circumstances. Well, you know, it's unbelievable, isn't it? The circumstances there are, are crazy for, for the players and everyone associated with that club, but you're right, you know, on the field of play, what they've achieved in there is just, uh, well, their, their current, current form and, you know, four wins, two draws, um, you know, only conceded three, you know, uh, and they've got sort of 14 points over that uh, period, so wonderful, wonderful achievement, and uh, Everyone associated with that club should be, well, hugely applauded, especially the players and the, uh, the coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, do you think they can sustain it with, with, with the situation that's going on there and, and a really small squad? Because it is, when you get to the playoffs, it really does start to ramp up, doesn't it? Oh, exactly. I think that's going to be the uh, problem, isn't it? You know, we're a small squad. You're dead right, you know. As I said earlier on, you know, it's becoming a, a mini-season now and... Uh, you know, games will come thick and fast. You know, again, there's games on um, you know Tuesday this week, and you know, they go again Saturday. You know, there's a, a lot to play for, uh, and the games will you know will soon run out. So it's about teams who stay consistent for me. Yeah, if Gates are going to be one of those, then let's hope they are because they said they deserve it. But uh, there's other people's uh, you know other teams rather you know breathing down their neck. You know, like, like Eastley, if you don't mind me bringing that in. Because, what a side that's uh, what a, mm. a transformation that's been this season. Yeah, I was going to mention that to you, Mick. I mean, what uh, Eastley? It's funny actually. Now Stuart Donald's left, and maybe they're not putting as much money in. It seems to have brought them together a little bit, and they're probably having the best season since they've been promoted. Terrific. I mean, I know Ben Sevens who's over the helm there as uh, the manager and the coach there. Good football man. You know, only a young guy who's in the game, but been in the game a long time. He had him at Dagenham and Redbridge, and he's he's played at Barnet, but he's, he's also been coach, assistant manager, you know, under Andy Hesson Tyler and other people at East Lee. And he, he's took the reins now and uh, by all accounts, gone in there and uh, the players really enjoy what he's bringing to the party, if you like. And, uh, yeah, I think that, I, I actually think they're the team to, to watch out for. I think they've really come on the, the outside, if you like. And, uh, as I said, the current form again, you know, incredible, really. I think they've only lost one in the last six. So that's a, an all, all, all out of the other uh, wins, if you like. So, Fantastic job there uh, over at Eastley. So they've got a young player there called Luke Southwood, who's who's currently on, on loan there from Reading. Um, but he's had a lot of clubs looking at him. He's highly rated. I mean, what have you seen of him? Yeah, I mean, I've seen him, and um, you know, I've heard of, uh, good things when it goes to things like this. Uh, they've got to make sure that these young goalkeepers play. It's the only way they learn their trade. And uh, yeah, so. I think he's gone in there. There's no coincidence that the upturn when he's since he's been there has uh, has, has gone well. You know, uh, and I always say any successful team, 
he was going to be successful, rather. And he was a top keeper, and he's uh, a young boy who's running there, and yeah, I think he's uh, getting all the plaudits, so fair play to him. Yeah, and he made a match-winning save on Saturday against Chesterfield, just staying on Eastley. They've got a lot of experience as well, which could serve them well if they do manage to stay in the playoffs. They've got a lot of players who've been there at league level as well. Yeah, exactly, you know, uh, Chris, uh, I always get this name wrong, Sobrowski. Yeah, I mean, he, uh, he's, a, he's a fantastic striker and uh, always uh, you know, causes all teams lots and lots of problems. The boy Winter there, uh, um, you know, the England squad, he's, he's gone in there and done very, very well. You know, you're dead right. Uh, experience, youth, if you can get a mixture, you can get a good mix, can get that terms of uh, real good ingredients between those sort of players, then it will, uh, you know, I, I believe, pay dividends. And uh, those experienced players have got a lot to uh, to live up to, but they will want that challenge. I really do believe that. Yeah, Gavin McCallum scored once again. He's breathing down Danny Rowe's neck now. And quite a surprise name in the Golden Boot race there, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, yeah, you say, yeah. They love it, though, don't they? These strikers, they yeah. love uh, you know, putting that ball in the back of the net, whether it's you know, off their backside, whether it's off their big toe, or it's a fine strike from distance. You know, they just claim it as a goal. And uh, you're dead right. You know, Rowe up there from Fylde and uh, McCallum there from Eastley, and of course, You've got the young boy still there at Bonning at uh, Leighton Orient. They're all, uh, you know, all vying for that top position. And, uh, you know, again, you know, we mentioned the keepers, but you've got to mention, you know, strikers. Yeah, they're, 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 we need them, don't we? You know, they, any time, again, going to have a great run, need someone who's going to be consistent putting the ball in the back of the net. And uh, those players, easily, uh, sort of those teams, easily, and filed Leighton Orient. I've got their talent man up top. going to look at the bottom, actually, because we say Eastley and Gates are both playing teams who are struggling down at the bottom. So you've got Chesterfield, who are still there. We've, we've improved under John Sheridan, but they're not quite climbing up as, as they would have liked. They have had some tough games in recent weeks. And a team as well, you mentioned Mick Barnett. I mentioned it a few weeks ago uh, on our WhatsApp chat and said, are Barnett in trouble? And, and Rob was like, well... They've got plenty of games to get out of it, but those games are starting to run out now a little bit, and they're not really pulling away, are they? Well, that's exactly right. You know, um, you know Darren Curry's gone in there, and uh, he's got a. Unfortunately, I do believe he's had a, um, some injury problems as well, so he doesn't sort of get a consistent side there. That cut run, which was brilliant, the FA Cup, you know, down to Sheffield United, brilliant. You know, but sometimes does it have an effect on on the players the way they perhaps it does, and. Uh, you're dead right, you know, the, the, the games are right there on, they play 33, other teams are playing 36, 37. Yeah, they've definitely got games in hand. I do believe they will be fine, you know, with the other sides that are down the bottom there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they've got to start uh, picking up points um, quickly. Uh, otherwise, it could be a problem. I don't want to get sucked into it. You don't mind, you know, Chesterfield, again, I do believe they will be, um, they'll be fine. I, I, I do believe they'll be fine. I think they've got good players there. Had a crazy start to the season, couldn't win a game, could draw, could plenty of draws, uh, but uh, you know, with the point system, three points, one point, yeah, they, they drew too many games earlier, but I, I do believe they'll be fine anyway. Another team down there is, is Aldershot, and Rob went up there yesterday, and he had a little catch up with Ian Everett after their side's dramatic 2-1 victory over Aldershot, a 97th minute John Rooney penalty after Rooney had earlier missed a penalty in the in the game and Rob caught up with Barrow manager Ian Everett afterwards. I'm joined by Ian Everett, the Barrow manager and Ian, I already caught wind of one of your other interviews. You're pleased with the three points but you're not too sure your side deserved them on the day. No, I thought, um, I feel sorry for Gary, I thought Gary's team were excellent today. You know, they really made it difficult for us, especially second half. 
we just looked a bit flat, a bit a yard off the pace. We weren't our normal selves in terms of with the ball. We weren't, you know, incisive enough with our movement, with our passing. But we ground it out. You know, that's one thing you can say. There's not many times this season that we've actually won ugly. Um, we deserved a lot more on Tuesday night against Leighton Orient. You know, the better team for more or less the whole match. And they say sometimes it evens itself out, but we have to be better, especially with a big game at Wrexham on Tuesday night. What fascinated me in the first half, and I'm going to have to hope and rely that you're going to give me an honest answer here, but I would have thought most logic and, and, and reports would have told you that Aldershot would probably set up with a three-man defence today, not a four. But you seem to have a plan that still worked well to get balls over the top into the uh, your right channel in the first half. Yeah, well, we were quite brave. Um, we left our three lads right up front against them, so it was virtually 1v1. Um, and when it's 1v1, you know, our lads can all run like the wind. So any ball really that stretches them out over the top and isolates their back three is going to be difficult for them. I thought we did it at times, first half, second half, not so good. I've got to look at the overall picture here. I said coming up here today, and I haven't looked at the league table, but you're, you're sort of upper mid-table. Now, I know you're a winner, but... Given the circumstances you came into the club in the summer, what a tremendous achievement that you're not even looking over your shoulder at this stage. And if anything, you're looking up longingly at uh, how many points there are after the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, that we, as a football club, we've come a long way since the summer. But I can't settle for this and I can't allow the, the players to, to settle for, mm. I call it mediocrity. You know, we, we should be, in my opinion, in the top ten with the ability we've got on the side. Um, and it's a mentality thing, you know, the minute you start settling for where we are, you're not going to achieve anything better. You have to dream big. You have to have the aspirations to get to the top of the league. Mm. And today, we were a bit flat. Overall, people will say it's a fantastic season. But I, I genuinely believe this is a club going places. You know, I believe in myself as a manager. Mm. I think we play the right way. And if we can keep the right ones over the summer and, and improve in one or two areas, then I'm sure hopefully next season we can be in and around that top six. Ultimately, it was the two penalty decisions towards the end of the game. And it was a decent game. Both sides really, really wanted to win, didn't they? They kept pushing forward. I know you're not going to sit here and say neither of them were penalties, but um, what were your thoughts on, on, on those two penalties given towards the end of the game? Um, I think the first one was a penalty. Mm. The minute Josh nicks in front and, and gets there first and invites the contact, then I think that is a penalty. The second one, I think, is harsh. It's, it's very close to the lad. Um, I'm not sure he could have really got his arms out of the way. But listen, we, we've probably had four or five penalties in the last five or six weeks that were, were definitely stonewall penalties. So, again, it's that old saying that, you know, football, it always easy, evens itself out. And I think today it kind of did that. Can I ask you for your comments um, on... Uh, I won't ask you about the bottom end, but the top end, it's a fascinating title race, isn't it? And, you know, it's swung again today with results elsewhere. Um, how many teams in that title race? Three, four? Do you go down mm, as far as Fylde and Harrogate? For me, it's just the top two now. Um, you know, I think the other, the other lot have, have slipped just a little bit too far back. Mm. I think Wrexham have, a, have had a fantastic run with the new manager. Um, obviously, Leighton Orient had a fantastic result today. I just get the feeling that, you know, the top end of the pitch is where it's going to be won. And I think... Um, Leighton Orient have the best players at the top end of the pitch. Thank you very much. Cheers. And that was Barrow manager Ian Everton. And, and Mickey made an interesting point there, Rob, to Ian Everton. Barrow have never been looking over the shoulders and they haven't. They've kind of been around that mid-table flirting with the playoffs. And it's been a fantastic season because everybody predicted them to struggle this year. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I um, had a good chat with uh, the manager at Barrow. And 
and I was really impressed the way he put, put points across. I was, um, you know, yeah, he's a good football man, it seems. And, um, yeah, when I, when I spoke to him, he, he did right. I mean, he's put things in place there. Good, young, vibrant side, um, without doubt. They, they want to play. I've got to say, they want to play what we call the right way, but they want to play, you know, through the thirds. They want to pass it out from the back, you know, but play it with tempo. They've got two boys, boys quick out wide, what's called Caves on the standby for the England squad as well. And uh, then we've got the, you know, the big centre-half, Dan Jones, who, who, who's an asset. But they, they are a good outfit. And, uh, yeah, again, the side and the supporters should be delighted the way uh, Barrow have got about their business this season. And, uh, yeah, they're in, a, they're in a good position. And hopefully they will build on that for next season because um, things are in place. And Rob also had a little chat with All The Shots media manager Chris Wood about the game itself, and also how some of the other results looked and affected Aldershot. So, boys, as you know, I can't join you for the podcast Sunday morning, so I thought I'd do a little audio wrap of the Barrow-Aldershot game. Well, first of all, full of drama, crazy ending, and ultimately another sob story for Aldershot Town as they go away with nothing. They put in a spirited performance... Uh, as confirmed by the Barrow manager, Ian Everett, who uh, thought that uh, Aldershot certainly deserved something from the game, but they didn't get it. And Barrow, who apparently have had so many penalties lately not given, got given two, one of which in particular uh, may have been very, very fortunate uh, at the end. However, the game itself, typical really, in Aldershot Town's groundhog season, they started quite well created two or three chances of decent note in the first half didn't take them and then Barrow went 1-0 up with their one moment of quality in the first half when uh, Bartram squared for Dior Angus to uh, stoop and head home so 1-0 Barrow at half time and it was a spirited Aldershot town that came out for the second half and they deservedly got back in it with a low Adam McDonald strike and at that point I'm with walking back to the station here with Chris Woods the Aldershot town media manager at the point when Adam scored for Aldershot in the next few minutes, Chris, you must have started to think, as I did, that Aldershot might come away with a win here. Yeah, I thought we were really um, we really took the game to them. I did say at half-time to one of my colleagues that I could either see us just nicking it with a with a dodgy goal or I couldn't see us going for it and taking the game to them, but we did, and we come out, we deserved to equalise. We really kicked on, and then, uh, then the penalties happened. Yeah, now two penalties one in the 84th minute one in the 95th minute of 94 or 94th minute 94 whatever it was we'll not go into the ins and outs of them on this let's just say this boys when things aren't going your way they don't go your way uh possibly both quite harsh uh but ultimately barrow have uh, missed the first one josh k stepped up jake cole saved it was not the best penalty uh, and cole did what he needed to do and then uh, the responsibility fell to John Rooney in the 95th minute and he tucked it away to secure the three points for Barrow. I'm not going to ask Chris what he thinks of the penalty decisions because I already know his answers. Um, and we won't, we, you know, we won't uh, feed the, uh, the sour grape line that would be all too easy for you guys to use. But Chris, on the battle at the bottom, strange old day of results, wasn't it? We kept an eye on that Hartley-Bull-Dover game and uh, Dover 2-0 up. But Hartlepool, at this part of the season, they're going behind and coming back and win. They've done it again. I think from our perspective, we're looking at other teams and you want to see who's in free fall, really. You want to 
as you would the other end of the season with the playoffs, the other side of the table, see who's on a rise and who's got the momentum that normally serves them well into the playoffs. Teams in free fall would normally just, just drop off in the end and you're looking around, everyone's lost today. So it's not made too much bearing on us, but oh, we've lost another game to, to claw back the deficit. And, and it's such a harsh way as well. I don't mind talking about the penalties. I thought the first one, it did look a foul to me, but whether it was in the area or not my angle, but again I'm 80 yards away in the press box so it's hard to tell I thought it was outside the box and then the second one if you thought PSG's penalty was harsh against Man United in the week then then you will really think this one was very harsh Just a, yeah one of them things but I was really keeping an eye on the um, Maidenhead Havent game just from our perspective because I thought if haven't get a result there, that that really lift them. They're, they're Maidstone, Maidstone haven't. Maidstone, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> it'd really lift them, and um, and they'd kick on from that because they've they've kept most of their side that that won them the Conference South last season, and they've got a good group and they they got that together. And that's why they've been picking up these 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 odd results here and there against teams they shouldn't on paper be beating, but they've lost today, and you 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 hope that from an order shot perspective, this is sickening blow to them, and it really affects their confidence as but then you could argue that this how we've lost the game today is going to be really difficult to pick the players up from that but knowing them like I do I'm, I'm sure they'll be back in Monday morning working hard and they say they, they played well today the 79 fans who, who come here would have would have seen that and that was Rob and Chris Woods and it was interesting Mick they mentioned Maidstone a massive win for them they're kind of they're clinging on for dear life and they needed to get that win and they did do and it was a vital one against another relegation rival Haven and Dover also blew a two goal lead against Hartlepool if all the shot they've held on and got the point it would have been a decent day for them in the end yeah without doubt you know uh, Gary Wallach you know he's battling against the tide there no doubt about that and uh, you know losing the way they did in that uh, what you say the 97th minute uh, to a penalty it does have an effect I'm afraid you know yes as a coach as a manager you can get into your players and say look you know let's go again but it, you know some, for some reason it's a mental thing that uh, does affect players so he's, he's going to have to get right into his players again and get them back on on track for you know the, the upcoming games uh, Gary there but you're right. I mean, a massive win for Maystone. I mean, I believe if they don't get that result, that would have been curtains for them, in mm. my opinion. Mm. They, uh, he did right. I think they're, they're, they're clinging on with their fingernails, really. John Steele's gone in there as a director of football with Hakan, and uh, they know uh, it's a last chance saloon there for me. Um, so they've got to, they, you know, the big thing for me is they've got to just now have what I call championship form. Uh, and this stage of the season, those teams down the bottom, that's a real, you know, tall order for me. What they can do, uh, they can only do what they can, you know, affect. And uh, that's what be the message, I think, to their players. But, you know, you know having them down there, you say Dover, I thought they were going to get out of it. And they've now sort of got themselves back in a sort of mix. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's sides down there. I mean, brain three of uh, more or less uh, gone. Again, that's just going to be an incredible turnaround if anything happens there. But... Yeah, there's size down there. I think there's a good six six size down there. Will be, uh, you know, looking at uh, those uh, bottom four positions. Um, and it's you know difficult for all the managers and everyone concerned. In terms of Maidstone, that was a the, only their second home win of the season, and they need to kick on and win mm. what remaining home games. When you're down there, the the last thing you want to be doing is not winning your home games. Well, it's when you're down there, exactly right. That that's that's you know the first rule of farm. If you say win the home games, but also the second thing for me is 
you beat sides who are down around you. And that's what they did yesterday. You know, they got they're such, um, you know, haven't in there with them. That's what they've got to do. So the sides that are down around them, which they do play them, they've got to, you know, pick up points against those because that's going to be vital for their uh, survival, really. And, and so how do you see the bottom four going? I mean, I think I said last week Halifax probably needed another three points to stay up. They got that against Barnet in midweek to put them on 46 points. So do you think Maiden, you're looking at maybe 45? So you say maybe Maidenhead need another point, Bournemouth probably need another three, and then you're looking at Chesterfield downwards for the relegation battle? Yeah, I think everyone would look at that, you know, when you see that league table. Again, you know, you just mentioned Maidenhead. Wow, you know, what a nice... Uh, Little run that's been on with, uh, you know, Alan Devonshire there. You know, he's, again, somehow dug it out and, um, you know, he plays a certain way, but he gets the best out of every player that he ever works with. And they've had a great uh, little resurgence. So they're up there. I think you're dead right. I think they get another another result. They're, they'll be fine. I mean, yeah, down the bottom four there, Braintree, we've already mentioned Maystone, can they, will they, all the shots. You know, it's a, it's a tall order then for all those sides down there. Dover, I, I just think perhaps the four that are there, perhaps the four that are there at the moment, Braintree, Mason and Aldershot, haven't maybe the four to go. But there may be a, a surprise and uh, one might drop life a stone and one may uh, find a little bit of a resurgence and uh, get themselves out of it. But I think the four that are there will be, you know, definitely down there. Down the bottom. Yeah, there could be a twist in the tail. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the National League, as we're saying. We, we never know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's around the corner. Playoffs, Mick? I mean, do you think they're done and dusted, or do you think Eastleigh are probably the only ones who can swap places with maybe Gateshead or Harrogate? Yeah, I think uh, looking at what we've got there, I mean, I, I you know, everyone speaks about the system, you know, top seven. But as I, I always mention to everybody, when you start the season, it's the rules of the competition. Yeah, I think it keeps the, the, the league going. I think it's a really good way of uh, keeping everyone interested right the way through, well, to the end, basically, uh, like we're, we're talking now. So, yeah, Eastleigh are on a fantastic uh, run. The confidence must be high. Do they get in there? Yeah, I think I, I personally think they will be in that top that top group, in that top seven. Do Gates stay in there? Do Harrogate? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's something major. Sutton might just get... I've seen Sutton a couple of times uh, recently, mm. and they've had a, a really poor return. If you look now, I mean, their last six games, you know, they've, they've, well, they've lost, they've lost, lost, drawn, lost, drawn, lost. I mean, it's a, that's a poor run of form, isn't it? You know, so, you know, last six games, you know, they've only picked up two points, so they must be, well, devastated, really, had a season sort of... Uh, ending for them but they might just get themselves they might just ping back in and go again so yeah I think from Sutton Eastley they may be the ones who just um, you know get into that top seven mm, yeah but it'd be interesting to see as I say if they can gate crash that we're going to look at the National League South now. Hi, I'm Jake Robinson, and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So you heard there from Jake Robinson, and there was big news this week. He moved back to Billericay, and uh, Billericay's Twitter celebrated it in a, a 007 style, but he couldn't sharpshoot down Torquay. They beat Billericay by two goals to nil, and, and they keep marching on, don't they, Mick? Yeah, I mean, you've got to say, you've got in there, Gary Johnson at, uh, at, at Torquay, let's get it right. The guy knows the game, you know, he's had success going back to the overall days when, you know, they, they, 
they won the uh, the national league as it was then, or you know, in terms of. So look, he's got a lot of uh, real uh, quality around him. He knows what it takes to get uh, a side up there. And uh, again, you know, people talk about big club, but you know, in the scheme of things, let's get it right. You know, National League South and Torquay and the National League South, they shouldn't be there as a club. You know, but they've got to win it. And um, yeah, I think they will march on, and I think they will see the job out. Uh, good win at Billericay because um, we know what Billericay brings. Yeah, I, I believe uh, Torquay will uh, finish champions for me. Interesting because yeah, the, the level on points with Woking, they've all played, they've got really similar records. You look at it, Torquay and Woking have both played 33, both won 21, both drawn 6, both lost 6, both conceded, well, Torquay have conceded one goal less than Woking and they've scored more. That's all that's separating them, really. Goals scored, Mickey. It's that tight. Well, it's usually tight, isn't it? You know, again, you know, Woking have had to re- regroup as a club, haven't they, you know, from last season when, uh, you know, relegation and... Uh, Fair play to them. They, they've got their house in order. They changed their, you know, various uh, managers mid-season. Yeah, I mean, I think they will push them. But I'll, I'll tell you why they will push them. They've got a, a good fan base there at Woking, and I'm sure they will be, uh, you know, really pushing everyone. Every, especially, I know they, they follow home and away without doubt. And uh, even yesterday, great crowd at Woking. You know, one seven there yesterday. So look, they they will they will push Torquay all the way. No doubt about it. But. It's got to be those two, isn't it? You know, they're, they're literally uh, nine points clear of, uh, of Welling. Yeah, I think it will be you know, right to the end of the uh, season, but I, I do believe it may just be talking that bit. Big game between those two sides on the 6th of April as well, um, just to, to right? put in yeah. there. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Torquay go to Woking on the 6th of April, and, um, you know, with him being so close and, and their records being so almost identical, you've, you're looking at that one potentially as a title decider, aren't you, I think? Without doubt, yeah. I mean, and uh, it'll be a, a game for uh, everyone will be looking out for that one and see how the result goes because it's uh, you're dead right. I mean, but listen, they're two two big clubs within the <laughs> you know, I keep saying in the National League South, which is quite incredible. You've got two clubs of that stature playing uh, for it, but it's great for the football, isn't it? It's great for that league, and uh, it keeps everyone uh, interested. And uh, let's see who uh, who comes out on top, but. Uh, It'd be an interesting call. I just think it'd be talky for me. Well, also another man who knows quite a lot about the National League South it is Aldershot's current uh, media manager. Rob spoke to earlier, Chris Woods. He was at Wheelstone last season. He gave his thoughts and who thinks he'll win it. The Aldershot Town media manager this season, but last season he was at Wheelstone. Great win for them in the week, just after we interviewed Bobby on the podcast. Chris, what's your thought on the battle at the top? Chiefly, I guess, between Woking and, uh, and Torquay. Who do you think is going to be the title winners in the National League South? Well, Torquay came to Wildstone, I think, back in, in November and they absolutely trounced them 3-0. And they were 7-1 to to win the league at that point. Oh, no. <laughs> we pause this interview while me and Chris get nearly run over. Hang on. So, yeah, yeah, go on. I'm not a better man because I'm not allowed to be, but that was great value. Gary Johnson's really turned it around there, as you would expect. They've got a football league manager in the Conference South. He has a wealth of contacts, namely his son at Bristol City. He's managed to loan some players from them who were too good for that league. I think they'll kick on and win it. But it's tight. Woking and, and Dallas will push him all the way. Dallas is a, is a great manager at that level. Woking did really well to appoint him in the summer and, and steady a ship because they went into free fall in this league last season. And yeah, so I think Torquay will pip him and I think the playoffs will be difficult for Woking because... 
there are teams in there that have beaten this season. And that was Chris Woods, and he agrees with you. McKee thinks Tarkey will just nick it, and as we say, just that experience of Gary Johnson there, I think, will just will just see them through in the end. Looking at other teams there, well in. I mean, we, we spoke to their their fanzine a few weeks ago, and, and they were saying that. Look, they accepted the cuts and, and the fans accepted that because they wanted to cut the cloth accordingly but it's not affected them at all Mick they had a, a really good win away at Wealdstone and, and that they're in third position now yeah look you know well in again uh, of, uh, is a side or a club that true, do try to get what I call their house in order they make sure that you know they, they get it right and uh, they have to make certain uh, adjustments a lot of clubs have to do if they're going to be successful keep 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 head above water if you like and they've done that they've made it correct and at the end of it they're, they're well in the hunt and as you say they they could still perhaps make a little bit of a late play for it but um you know they're in that top that top group so yeah excellent excellent uh, by uh well in united and what they've achieved so far and Bill Ricky um, as well, Mick. I mean, as we mentioned earlier, Jake Robinson was was re-signed, and that could be a big, big boost for them. He scored a lot of goals from earlier in the season. They're on, they're in the last playoff place at the minute, and do you think that that, um, although the five points clear, do you think that that could cement the playoff place now because he'll get them the goals? I think it's a massive signing for them. You know, to get him back there, and uh, yeah, look, we know what he can bring. He's uh, proven, you know, time and time again. So. I think it's a really good call what you just made, made there. I think he will be the difference for them staying in that uh, in that seventh position, or as I say perhaps going up a little bit further. But I do believe they will be in the playoffs, Bilirici, uh, because you know their start they had, and all right, we know all the ups and downs and the difference of uh, things that they put in place and then took away. But they've still got a nucleus of a decent side there, and uh, one or two very very experienced players who. I'm sure will uh, you know want that uh, bit of success, and I, I think they will be in that uh, that uh, playoff position without doubt. Well, in leapfrogged Chelmsford in the end, who would be feel a bit disappointed that they could only go to Eastbourne, Mark McGee's Eastbourne Borough, and and draw by yeah. uh, d- d- draw one each. I mean, just before we get on to Chelmsford, mate, what what did you make of that appointment, Mark McGee going to Eastbourne? Well, as I said, it's uh, I wouldn't say it shocked me because I think Mark McGee, you know, I, I don't know Mark very well at all, but. You know, listen, he's, he, he just loves football, doesn't he? And, uh, you know, he still wants to be in and around a, a football club. He must believe that he's got, um, you know, a great deal to offer or he wouldn't have uh, took that opportunity. Management coaching, you know, there's only X amount of jobs that are available. And if you're out of out of position, out of work, and you, you feel that you've got a lot to offer, then why not? You know, uh, he wants to give something back still. And uh, I think as a manager, as a coach, sometimes when you, you're with a a lower club, a smaller club, whichever way you want to perceive it, uh, I think it's a real challenge as a manager and a coach to have success for them. So hopefully it will do. Uh, they, they, it's a good club when you go down there. So uh, I wish him well. I, I really do wish him well. And I hope he gets the club where he wants it to be. In terms of the playoff picture, then, do you think Wheelstone, again, we talk about gate crashing, do you think Wheelstone can gate crash it? Or do you think it's a case now of those top seven will stay as they are. As you mentioned earlier in the, in the, in the National League, you know, now in the South, it's just that little gap, isn't it? There's a gap of five points or so. Look, you, you, you've got to make those up. As we've already mentioned, the, the games come thick and fast. You, you're hoping the teams above you have that blip, that little poor run, and you don't want to have a poor run at this stage of the season um, because it will affect where you, you finish. They may have a chance. They may have a chance. And, um, you know, even the the Knights of Concord Rangers 
may have a chance, but uh, I think from from them really after that, I think it's uh, going to be really you know those sort of the top seven plus Willstone and Concord who may just sneak into those uh, playoff areas for me. Yeah, Concord missed out on a wing yesterday. They were two 0 up with ten minutes to go and ended yeah, up drawing two two against Slough, didn't mm. they? And uh, yeah, a bit of a, a, mm. a missed opportunity for them. Looking at the bottom, massive winners. Uh, another Essex club we mentioned them a lot in the National League South, mate. But East Thurrock, what a win down at Truro, and, and they looked dead and buried a few weeks ago, along with Western Supermare. But they suddenly motored, and they're only a point behind Gloucester, who lost two 0 at Dartford. And all of a sudden, John Coventry and that team will be believing, won't they? Oh, yeah, I say John's uh, an old stalwart, you know, he, he knows what it takes, John, and, uh, yeah, he's so, I mean, it's, it's crazy, isn't it, you know, when you when you do look at it, what what, does, what goes on, you know, they get to a certain stage of the season, and then they all of a sudden, they have sort of a, an injection in terms of where they want to be and what they want to achieve, I don't know what goes on, you know, in the change room sometimes, today. Is it is it a mental thing, is it a mental block, is it better preparation, is it playing a different way, different shape. But then these teams seem to have a resurgence. And, uh, you know, I bet these managers and the fans wish they were like that at the start of the season, not when it comes, uh, you know, to the, uh, the the bottom end where you've got 10 games to go and they're playing well. But, but they may, they may again, um, just sneak out of it. And, uh, you know, John, if, if there's a guy who could do it, it's John Coventry, no doubt about that. That'll leave Gloucester Troll and Dulwich just looking over the shoulders a little bit. East Thurrock only five points behind Dulwich, who are in 17th. They're only a point now behind Gloucester, as we mentioned. So, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll be sweating because Dulwich, Troll and Gloucester all lost on Saturday. Uh, Hungerford picked up another point, which puts them two points uh, within of East Thurrock so it's, it's start, it looked a done deal a few weeks ago the relegation battle all of a sudden it's just starting to tighten up a little bit isn't it oh, it's definitely tightening up a little bit you know even Western Supermare I know people you know, like yesterday it was a, a draw but last week they can't beat Torquay don't they which is you know quite quite amazing you can get the bot, bottom team beat the top team but fair play to them so they will see that they you know they're looking at him they're all okay we start on 30 we're on 20, 24 you know, yeah, it's two wins, and what can we do? You know, and uh, it's it it does. It's it's a really it's a strange phenomenon for me. You know, our players sometimes just wake up, uh, and uh, you know, it, and I, I, I you know, from a, I'm putting my coach's hat on. I do believe it's it's a mental thing. It's, a, it's something. You know, we work on the, the four corners of technical, tactical, physical, but the mental thing is the one. You know, this winning mentality, not to get beaten. You know, not to be turned over, go out there with a, you know, like a champion, start strong, stay strong, finish even stronger. These are all things I think these players realise sometimes that their their livelihoods uh, at stake and they want to stay in the league. And uh, I don't think that that, that South is uh, nowhere near done and dusted down the bottom. Probably a personal pride thing and they don't want it on the CV either, you know, that they've got a relegation no. on there. And all of a sudden it probably gets in the head and think, well, we've got to do something about this now. Exactly, and I think that's exactly what it is. And, uh, you know, the, the players then... Because it does, it, it drifts and drifts and drifts and drifts the season. And then all of a sudden, the penny drops for these guys and the, the, the people around them. And, then, well, you know, if we don't do something about this pretty soon, then we're... Uh, and you're right, you know, it's on their CV that, that as players. They don't like that. No player likes to be in a relegation side. There's no doubt about that. You know, sometimes it can't be helped in terms of their, their own personal... You know, performance, but it's vital that they uh, they get really you know keep going as a group, and uh, I think that's where the senior players within the, the the dressing room do come to the fore and uh, 
make some of these younger players realise that there's not just three points on it, but as we've mentioned just now, their uh, their pride on it. Now, it's interesting we're, we're talking about pride and, and, and psychological and things like that because Oxford City and Hampton and Richmond realistically probably have nothing to play for. So I think they went, sod it, and just kind of <laughs> played out an eight-goal thriller <laughs> instead. Yeah, so there's eight goals in it, Oxford City three, Hampton and Richmond five. And do you think subconsciously teams like that go, do you know what, we're, we're relaxing on, there's nothing to play for, and kind of shape and tactical nows goes out the window a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, we can, we, we can take that perhaps, you know, I mean, it was a goal fest, no doubt about that, Oxford City 3, Hampton and Richmond 5, but I think what it is, I think players, yeah, perhaps sometimes the shackles are off, you know, there is that, there is that in it, in terms of uh, where they are, but... I'd still say, you know, Hampton and Conan got a result. They needed that. But I still feel they need another win. You know, they're, they're, they're not they're not out of the woods yet, Hampton there. You know, when you look at the the points, sort of, yes, look, you'd be disappointed. You went down from there now. But, you know, at the end of it, it's um, it's important to... I mean, also what happens for me is these players also plan for, for next season. You know, so that's the difference as well. They're playing for next season. You know, do the managers want to keep them? The, uh, you know, they plan for contracts, things like that. So it's vital again that they uh, they put a shift in. They do it right. They do it the right way. Not their professional footballers. Are, you know, again, I want to argue the point. I'll just put that out there. You know, whether you're in the national league, whether you're in division two, or whether you're in the national league south or north. For me, there's good good players in these uh, divisions who uh, are you know playing. They might play very well for the for, for the Hampton and Richmond. You never know. There might be someone in the stand looking. They're going to. They're looking. They're looking for a player that might want to come into their club. So I think they're playing for yes contracts, but you never know who's in those stands, and uh, you might be getting a good move to another club. So very, very important. They keep going right to the end of the season. Player today goes to Bath City's Ross Stern. Now he came on in the 33rd minute of their game away at Hemel Hempstead, scored within a minute and then went on to add two more to get a hat-trick, so well done to him and it helps Jerry Gill celebrate his new two-year deal that he signed this week also. So now we're going to have a look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, we'll, we'll head back to midweek, we'll get onto the results shortly. Uh, I went down to Altingham, as you may well have seen, uh, they drew 1-1 with Blythe Spartans, a bit of a, a controversial goal for Blyde Spartans, it was judged to be a pass back by the referee and Robbie Dale stuck in the equaliser to cancel out John Johnson's opener for Altrincham. And after the game I caught up with Blyde Spartans manager Alan Armstrong. So I'm here with Blyde Spartans manager Alan Armstrong for the NL full-time pod. Cold and wet night at Moss Lane but you've come away with a good point Alan. Yeah it was a great point. Altrincham, really good football side the hours off. Phil's teams were played when when he was at Nantwich. Knew what to expect. The players are very similar. And they're great football to watch. And I love, I said to them at the end, they love playing against them because it is a proper football game. It's not a physical game. It's not up and under. It's just really good football game. And we try to give as good as we got. But away from home, I'm chuffed a bit with that performance. After Saturday, you made four changes. You looked a lot more solid, though. You didn't create loads, did they? Oh, that's the thing I said to the lads. I thought Lange and Buds were exceptional. Two full-backs. I had a right-back playing left-back. And then the lad who hadn't been playing for the last few games come in. Damon Mullen giving us that protection in front of the back four and I brought Robbie back into it after he needed a rest he was shattered but Sean Reid back in he's coming back into the picture now after having a few few weeks off with fatigue and tiredness so it catches up with these lads and you've got to give them the time off but I thought tonight we will look really solid and like you said I can't really remember that many yeah. clear cut chances I had a lot of the ball don't get us wrong which you've got to expect yeah. away from home but 
They never really created that much. I think we probably had the clear cut chances in the end, but I'm chuffed a bit with the point. Yeah, Dan Maguire had that chance. I think he was a bit surprised by it. He ended up snatching it and he went wide and probably should have scored. I think I said to him he should have scored. And uh, he, he said he didn't, just didn't realise how much time he had. He didn't realise it was there. But another day, Nick, my bag's at and we come away nicking three points. But I think overall a draw was probably a fair result. But as I say, I think we probably created a better chances. But I'm just, just chuffed a bit after the reaction off Saturday because it was really poor performance on Saturday. And we'll bounce back. We've just got to make sure we'll carry it on next Saturday. In terms of the season itself, I mean, you just you kind of quite outside the playoffs. But is, do you think you can make a late burst into there, or do you think it's kind of just getting ready for next season now? No, I haven't won enough games at home to be anyway challenging for the playoffs. And you've got to win your home games if you want to get anywhere up there. What's really strange this year is we've drawn a lot of games, and that's very unlike us. I think yeah. we drew two all last year, yeah. Yeah, but this yeah. year we're, we're picking up points away from home, which is great, which we normally lost, but we're just not winning home games for some reason. And it's just fi- trying to find that magic formula at the minute, but it's probably too far for us at the minute, but you never give in, and that's what I said to the lads. I don't want them to let this season dwindle out. We've got a game on Saturday, which could potentially put you back in the top ten, so... What do you put the home farm down to? Because normally everyone sees Blythe as a really tough place to go, but you've not won, certainly in 2019, you've not won a game at home yet. No, it's a strange one. You're, you're winning the cup against Boreham Wood, yeah. and you win that quite comfortably, and that's from the league above. And then you come and you expect to play the same, but I wouldn't mind. We've started well mm. in the home games, yeah. but then we'll take our foot off the gas, and that's what's something that I've got to try and suss out why they're doing it. And it, it's a strange one. It's because, as I say, we'll get our noses in front. And we're normally quite good, but we just took our foot off the gas and we invite teams too much, we give them too much respect. And I think that's been the biggest problem. We've got to make sure that we, once we get the nose in front, we've got to keep it going. And whether it's work, whether it's think that we've done enough, yeah. that's another thing. But we're constantly working with these lads and we are still punching well above the weight. We yeah. know that, but I want more from these lads. I demand more from the lads. The fans demand more from me. So, yes, we'd... We're disappointed we're probably going to miss out again, but I've set the lads a target. You've got to beat last year's points tally. That's what you've got to try and do. You've got to show that you're improving every year. And it's going to be a big ask, but you never know. Do you think the trophy run was a hindrance in the end? You had a really good run in it, didn't you? It was, it was because it, the, the end of it coincided with this yeah. run, so to speak, where we haven't won many games, because before that we were 14 unbeaten, and all of a sudden you lose that one, and it's... It's a strange one because you want to be in there and them are the games you want to play in. And, but it's just, it is a hindrance, but the mon- club needs the money. Simple yeah, as that. Yeah. So you've got to take them seriously. And at the end of the day, we weren't that far away against Leighton Orient. If we brought them back to Croft Park, which was the target on the, for the Tuesday night, you would never have known what was going to happen after yeah. that. But because yeah. that was a money spin off for the lads, for the club, and it was just, it probably is, it does hinder the. That for us, definitely, because we haven't got a squad big enough. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Alan. And that was Alan Armstrong, and it was interesting for, for him to say, Rich, that he was quite honest and refreshingly honest in a way when you said, can you get in the playoffs? He's just like, no, we've not been good enough, which is good to hear, really. Yes, it is. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, well, uh, Blythe fans will appreciate his honesty, even though they might not, so, not necessarily like the message that he's giving there. Uh, Blythe, I think they, were, they, they got off to a poor start this season, then hit a real purple patch of form, 
dropped off a little bit again recently, but, you know, they're a really capable side. And, you know, when you've got, you mentioned Robbie Dale there, when you've got somebody in the team um, who's as experienced as he has, you, you've always got a chance. Uh, and, you know, good point for them, Wait. Other results in midweek as well. Stockport County, they won 3-1 at Boston United, which meant they went top of the league. We'll see if they could stay there in a minute. And also... It was a, a good result for which also spending more drew with Southport, which which gave uh, Stockport a six point advantage over Spennymore after defeating them the week previously. And then Telford, Rich, they they, they were uh, getting themselves warmed up for that FA Trophy semi final. They beat Darlington by three goals to one. They did indeed. It was um, you know three nil by half time, and I, I think Telford did take their foot a little bit off the pedal in the second half. Something which. Um, Gavin Cowan wasn't especially happy about. I think he was hoping that they might go on and, and really kind of assert their authority with a few more goals in the second half. But again, it's that thing of human nature. 3-0 up at half-time feels like job's done. And, you know, they just slackened off a little bit. But but three points, yeah, sure. I know you, you weren't happy yesterday. Did you, talking of slackening off, do you think AFC Telford slackened off against FC United? Well, I think the evidence probably suggests that they did. And I think most people looking from the outside would, would think that was what happened. I think to say that would take some maybe some credit away from FC United, you know. We mentioned it in, in relation to the other divisions that maybe teams that are down the bottom, all of a sudden there's eight, nine games left and, and they realise exactly what's at stake and, and and they start to you know, raise their game. And I think once FC United got a goal yesterday and, and were a goal up by half-time, the, the, the confidence seemed to be flowing through them, particularly you know going forward in the second half. They gave uh, back four a really difficult time, and and it was hard to see why they're down there on the basis of that. But I think it's it's consistency. They've just not done that often enough. Yeah, it's the whole form that's been letting him down, I think, which is normally a big thing for them. But it only puts them within three points now of guys. The guys who lost at Curzon Ashton last Monday, they didn't play against Spennymore on Saturday because of, of the weather up in the northeast, And it means guys will face another tricky tie up at Spennymore in midweek in the future. And all of a sudden, the pressure will be on them. We mentioned about, I mean, they're not winning now, guys. They had here at all, and, and they'll be looking over the shoulders now. No, they're not. I think that, that result last Monday was something like their 11th without a win. And yeah, you've mentioned they've had a lot of draws in there. Um, but those extra couple of points on a few occasions would just have them breathing a lot more easily. Nobody wants to sort of like judge what's going on within a football club from the outside. You know, that's that's a little bit unfair, but I guess that we all do it. You'd have to be concerned with Geisley that they what they don't do is that they they kind of sleepwalk into a situation where they think they okay, and then those teams below them you've got that bit more urgency start to catch them up and trying to get momentum is a difficult thing when you've got momentum you know thing good things start to happen and I suppose that would be my my fear for them as as any team in their position that you know if you if you're not picking up results at this stage of the season it's it's hard to sort of like get that going guys they came down last season and sometimes we've talked about it before with teams that dropped into the national league from the football league um it's, it's a case of the they drop down again another division and, and maybe they think they're too good for the division or they think they've got it they'll, they'll, they'll be okay and all of a sudden they're still in that losing habit and they slip and slide and, and maybe that's happening to Geisley after what was a bright start for him at the start of the season 
perhaps a little bit. I think uh, I think sometimes, and and Mick touched on this before. It's there's so much of, of football is about the mental aspects of the game, and sometimes that I, I don't want to call it a losing mentality, but but that maybe slightly defeatist mentality. You know, uh, down in a game, and whether that sense of oh no, here we go again, kind of sets in, and that can be a hard thing to to turn around. Yeah, I think that that that's possibly. Uh, what's affected Geisley coming down? I mean, I never, I never looked at Geisley as as a realistic shot to bounce back up. I have to say, but for them to be where they are, it has really taken me by surprise. Another team who missed out on an opportunity to close the gap on Geisley were Ashton United. They lost at home by two goals to nil against Bradford Park Avenue. And after the game, Chris Pratt caught up with the Bradford Park Avenue manager Mark Bauer. I'm here with Mark Bauer after uh, Bradford Park Avenue's 2 0 win away at Aston United. Mark, I mean, we were just saying heavy conditions, a lot of wind, a bit of rain at times, but you, did, you got the job done. Yeah, we sort of ground it out. We, we had the wind first half, and people expect you to, to maybe be on top when, when you got the wind, but I don't think it really suits us, so I think we found it difficult to get any kind of foothold in the game. I think Ashton started better than us. Um, had a, you know one good chance, a couple of other half chances, and, um, and and yeah, it took us a while to get going. But I felt the longer the game went on, I thought the, the the legs and the youth that we've got in our side came to the fore, and I thought we finished much much stronger and, and deserved winners in the end. You know, look, a couple of bits of real quality and composure at the right times for us. Um, got us a couple of goals, which obviously sealed it for us. Yeah, you stuck with it, didn't you? And you saw that last twenty minutes, you certainly took over. I mean, there was a quite a contentious issue with about <laughs> twenty minutes to go. A possible penalty. What were your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think everyone thought it was a penalty. I think you know, Lewis nicked the ball past the lad, and you can hear the contact. It's from the other side of the pitch. The linesman's flagging, and uh, yeah, I can't. So I don't know why why the referee decided not to give it. But it was a Stonewall penalty unfortunately those things have been going against us so what I'm really pleased about is the way our lads are keeping on going despite we had two goals wrongly ruled out last week against Curzon um, you know, we, when we for offside that we watched back and were clearly onside so things are going against us but the lads are picking themselves up and, and, and getting the job done you know, in spite of that so hopefully those things might turn for us and, and that will help us along the way as well You've rallied in the last few weeks. You uh, took a bit of a dip in form, uh, maybe sort of seven or eight games ago. And what's been the secret to, to getting back on the horse? Any team in the league, you know, even Stockport were on a on a great run. They started off in you know pretty poor form it's through the course of the season. You'll have your you know your little bits going on behind scenes and um, you know dips in form and, and things like that and things going against you, a few injuries and, and, and that fluctuates as the season goes. At the minute, we've got just about a fully fit squad. Lads are playing with confidence. Um, we've had that little bit of luck today when they've hit the crossbar. So when you know you combine all those sort of things that change through the course of the season, it can lead to good and bad runs. You know, coming coming good at this time of year is, is certainly not a bad thing. Um, you know, results in March and April just feel that bit better than the ones earlier in the season. And today's feels really good. So that feeling that we've got, that momentum that we built, we ought to you know protect that as preciously as we can and, and, and carry it forward. Okay, and lastly, um, from a personal point of view, there was a vacancy across the city uh, not so long ago, and y- your name was mentioned in a, in a few quarters. Is, is that flattering, or does it take your attention away from the job there? Or no, no, very, very flattering, very flattering um, to be mentioned. I've played played there for a long time, so that may be where the link came from. I don't know. Maybe someone someone thought he knew something and put a bit of money on it, and the bookies sort of reacted to that. I don't know. My phone started ringing with um, yeah friends trying to get a bit of a. Um, 
sort of exclusive as such to, to earn themselves a few quid I think but no nothing, nothing in it and enjoying my time here and I hope you know Bradford City you know great club that, that they can get themselves out of the, the trouble that they're in and uh, but yeah it was uh, an interesting few days when that when that came out <laughs> good luck for the rest of the season that was Bradford Park Avenue manager Mark Bauer and it's interesting uh, he kind of touched on something that Bobby Wilkinson touched on last week in that you don't always know what's going on behind the scenes at a football club, which can affect the on-field performances sometimes. And it seems like they've, a bit like Wheelstone last week, have got over whatever issues have gone on behind the scenes and it seems to have got back on track now. Yes, they have. They they, they certainly had a, a bit of a, well, through January and quite a lot of February, actually, they, they, they had a what could politely call a wobble. Uh, I think they won their... I think before last weekend, I think their last win had come on Boxing Day, something like that. Obviously, there was some issues in January where they had they lost two or three players they lost Stephen Drench the goalkeeper they lost Nicky Rowe he went to Boston and there was some talk around there about that perhaps you know Bradford spoke very much in terms of they were looking ahead for next season and maybe those players weren't going to be part of those plans um, but there's no doubt it did seem to do, like disrupt their form but they seem to be getting that back again now and I think Mark Bauer mentioned in that interview about momentum and they, they're just starting to get a little bit of that back again now so I did wonder whether they would be able to stay in the playoff places Interesting as well he rubbished the Bradford City links he, he had been linked in the local paper and he uh, the Bradford Telegraph and Argos about the actual Bradford City role and he, he just said it was it was nonsense really in the end Yeah I, I think that's almost inevitable particularly with somebody who played for Bradford City for some of his career um, you know he's he's managing and doing very well at a team just across the city albeit a few divisions lower whether career wise whether uh, you know he suggested there was nothing in it and it doesn't sound as if there was um, whether he'd been willing to take up that challenge had they offered it to him I, I guess you, you you can't pick and choose these things you know Bradford are struggling um towards the foot of League One. You know, I'm sure if, if he'd have been offered, he'd have given it serious consideration, but it doesn't sound like that was... And he, he sounds very happy with where he is. So, um, yeah, I, I, it was interesting. He also mentioned about, you know, people wanted to get a little bit of an inside track. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, well, should I should I go and put a few quid on you? And he played that down very, very nicely, I thought. Yeah, played it with a straight bat there. Looking at the top, as we mentioned, Stockport County, they, they went top midweek. They went down to Brackley, who Chris has always said, Brackley are a bogey side. And so it proved again le- yesterday, Rich, it was Stockport County's first defeat. And we'll touch on that regarding the FA Trophy in a while. It was a first defeat in 17 games in the end. Uh, they went down to a Lee Underlove goal at Brackley. A massive win for Brackley. That puts them in fourth. All of a sudden, they're motoring up the league and a blow for Stockport. Yes, it was a little bit. I mean, I, you'd, you'd hope that well, if you're a Stockport fan, off the back of 17 games unbeaten, um, before yesterday, you, you feel that perhaps one defeat isn't going to knock them too much off track. You know, they obviously know what they works, and they'll they'll hope to get back to that. Well, they've got they've got two um, FA Trophy semi final games coming up now. Brackley, I think yesterday was something like uh, I think they've only suffered two defeats in their last fifteen. So, you know, you had two real form teams coming up. You know bashing up heads against one another there yesterday and it's not a surprise to see Brackley up there again they're, they're a side with a lot of quality small squad Kevin Wilkin knows what he's about and yeah they, they, they achieved a really good result yesterday yeah, I was I was actually quite surprised when I saw the table because a few weeks ago they were eighth and like I said to Christy maybe treading water a little bit in mid table but they've had 
you said you've gone on a really good run recently and, and, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs and if you're in the playoffs, especially as like a Telford fan, you wouldn't want to face them, would you? No, you, you know, Brackley are, you know, they're a really difficult team. They've, they've got quality in, in forward positions as well. Given a choice, they, they are not a side that I would like to come up against, but, you know, if, if Telford are to make the playoffs and, and that's the way it goes and, and Brackley are, are who they end up playing, then we just have to approach that ex- for what it is and, and go there and give it your best shot. And with Stockport losing last week we worried if Charlie the wheels were coming off a little bit well they were firmly fixed back on as he faced an informed kid in side and they comfortably put him away in the end two goals for Josh Wilson there and another goal for Marcus Carver and a really impressive win by Charlie that. Yeah, it was. Um, I think it, it looked a tricky fixture, that one, for, for Chorley. Their form, I think they'd lost three of their last four. And with Kidderminster still looking for uh, a playoff place, I think they're four points off Telford, actually, in, in the in the final playoff position. That one might be a little bit closer, but it sounds as if that Chorley fairly cruised to that one. And with Stockport playing now in the FA Trophy over the next two weekends, it gives Chorley a chance to do something that Mick again spoke about at the start of the programme, which is get points on the board. If if I think Chorley's next two fixtures are, I've made a note of them here, I think they're away at Boston next week and then they're at home to Leamington. If they can take maximum points for there, all of a sudden the lead's back out to seven again and Chorley are throwing down that challenge to Stockport of, well, yes, you've got the games in hand, but we've got the points on the board and a, and a Stockport can Stockport respond to that? It's going to be fascinating to see. Yeah, and can we mentioned Brackley, just going back to them briefly, they're only three points behind Spennymore. Can can they gate crash the top three, do you think? Or do you think it is just between Spennymore, Stockport and Charlie now? I think it's... I wouldn't put it past them, to be perfectly honest. I mean, Spennymore, they drew in midweek and looked like they might lose at one point. They, they were... Uh, an 81st minute goal from Southport and, and all of a sudden it looked as if the the, the title challenge might be um, have the skids put under it but they Glenn Taylor equalised from the penalty spot they weren't able to capitalise on that yesterday because of um, more waterlogging problems uh, on the pitch at Spennymore and that means another game in hand for them to play so yeah I wouldn't put it past Brackley to overtake them but at the same point Spennymore aside with a lot of quality I think if you're asking me to say nail McCullers to the mast, I'd say I think Spennymore will hold on for third, but um, but Brackley will be breathing down their necks all the way. And finally, a comeback of the day as I go to Hereford. They were two 0 down going into the 58th minute, and they roared back to win four two in the end uh, in front of over 2,000 fans there at Edgar Street. They'll, they'll have had a good day out eventually. Yeah, that's it. That's a really big result for Hereford. I think they're nine points clear of the relegation spots now. So and and they've played one or two. I think they've played a game less than all. The teams in the bottom three so having looked like they were struggling with this level earlier in the season um i, I think they're sort of starting to get it right now and yeah that you know to come from two nil down says a lot about the, the 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 spirit that they've got there and you know edgar street with that many people in it is not an easy place for teams to go you know, they're a very passionate crowd they they you know believe in uh, their team and you know they've they've been on an upward spiral to now it's not been great for them this season but you could i can almost kind of feel that what that atmosphere would have been like yesterday as soon as they started to get back into the game and it, and it, yeah not an easy thing for Darlington um, at all to, to, to try and stay in that game once Hereford have got ahead of steam going The FA Trophy that's coming up next weekend and well we've got We've got one person who's well-placed to talk about one in the semi-finals. It's basically National League against National League North, Mick. We'll come to you first on on, on the one tie, which is Fylde versus Stockport. And that is a really intriguing tie, isn't it? Oh, without doubt. You know, 
I think these players, and again, I keep mentioning about clubs, supporters, anyone connected with these, you know, these football clubs, they know that they're two games away from a, a Wembley final and uh, they don't come along too often. And yeah, it's a, it's a really intriguing um, encounter picture over two legs. And I think it's going to be tight. You know, we, we know what uh, Stockball can bring. They, you know, they've, uh, they've been a surprise package. They haven't got there through, you know, luck. They've got there through a yeah, good play, really, I believe, and uh, excellent, excellent support. They will be like a, like a 12th man to the uh, to the players. And, um, you know, filed on their day, AFC file, let, let's get it right, you know, they've got some really, really talented individuals. And I, I am I'm really, really looking forward to that, uh, those two fixtures. And uh, I, I've got to be honest, I can't call it. I really can't call it. And um, you might be surprised by that. You know, we would say, should be favourites, but I can't call it. Rich, as, as, as if people don't know, you cover Telford and you must be absolutely excited for it now. Oh yeah, it's, it's a huge game. Probably two games away from potentially, you know, what could be one of the biggest games of your career. So yeah, it's a game everybody's looking forward to. When you look at league positions, I mean, would it be fair to say, Rich, that, that Telford are the outsiders in, out of the four? Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah. If you look at sort of not just league position, but, you know, Stockport's run of form, you know, Telford's form is pretty good, but it's not anywhere close to that. And then when you consider Lake Orient and Fylde are both top six teams in the league above, then, then absolutely with their outsiders. Let's turn that on its head. Perhaps that can be used to our advantage. Nobody's expecting anything of us. I think a lot of Telford fans are travelling there with a lot of hope rather than expectation. They proved in the last round when they knocked Solihull Moors out away from home on their day, they they were able to match and, and, and better one of the best sides in the league above. So over two games, you know, that, that, that there's there's a question about that. You know, was it that Solihull was a, a one-off occasion or able to do that? You, you, you're kind of asking them to perform well twice against a really good team. Why not? It's, it's a big stage for them. Uh, and let's hope they, you know, see it that way. Mick, I th- I, I, for Telford, it's just a case now of them trying to stick into it for the second leg when you get them late in Orient back to the new book's head. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually uh, down to go to that game uh, next Saturday, so I'm really looking at the beginning of yeah, summarising on that game, so I'm looking forward to seeing the, uh, the Telford lads. I've seen you on it a number of times. I think you're right, and uh, as Rich said, I think it's uh, it's cup football. That's the difference. It's cup football. You know, you can, you can say yeah, we had league form, and of course you want form because it takes you into cup football. But as we just mentioned, you know, through this uh, interview today, players just changes their mentality. You know, they've got, as we said, they've got a great opportunity to get to, to Wembley. Yeah, the first game's going to be vital that they stay in the game. You know, they don't want to do a, a crazy thing like, uh, I know we're going slightly off it, but, you know, where Burton go and get absolutely hammered by Man City in the, uh, in the cup, if you remember, and they had to have a second leg, which was crazy, which was just pointless, really. But what they've got to do, they're definitely going to stay in that, in this first, this first leg. Don't take chances in a way. Might nick the goal. You know, and just see where it takes them. And, uh, and you know, it is going to be difficult, more difficult, as which is terrific, a real good point, over two games. A one-off game, yet you might just get all the fortune go your way. Two games against the top side, do you get a fortune go your way in two games? Well, it might be a bit more difficult. Listen, it'll be a good encounter, and I'm sure Telford players and everyone concerned with that football club will be 
you know, right up for it. I don't think Rich will go to the second leg if it finishes 9-0, will you, Rich? <laughs> I was thinking, I, I really hope it's not anything quite like Man City against Burton, Mick, but um, no, I'm not anticipating... I don't think it will be, like Rich. I don't think it will be. The point I'm making is, you know, in terms... I don't think it will be, but we've got to make sure they stay in that game. You don't want to be coming on back in and you've got done three or four, because I think that's going to be a tall... So the England C squad was announced over the last week or so, and I mean you've mainly kept it uh, a lot of continuity from the last squad. A few few new names in there, which we'll get onto shortly. I mean there was four members of the team that um, that were involved last time. England played against Wales, and that's Dan, Dan Jones, Lawrence Maguire, Ryan Crosdale, and James Hardy. Um, but you've picked other players who played against Estonia in November, like Alfie Pave, for example. So it's kind of a it's a squad that a lot of people will recognise from the last couple of times you've played. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, in some ways, we don't always get this opportunity to uh, have continuity within the group because of, uh, you mentioned there was four players from the Welsh game before. There would have been perhaps a few more, but players move on, you know, like Sajiri Ockenbeer's got him signed for Shrewsbury. Not got him signed, we're delighted that he's got him signed for Shrewsbury. You know, so there's shows you there's other boys uh, that go on, so they would have been involved. But we we are we're pleased this time that the uh, the continuity stayed, and I think we also shown that the boys are not loyal, so that's the wrong word, but they did a fine job, a in Wales and uh, b when they played against Estonia. Uh, both results were, were, were very very good, great performances from you know the players involved, and uh, you're dead right. You know we have got there's one or two new faces within the squad, but uh, the continuity of the, um, the the other players are. Uh, we're pleased with that. That we give these lads another opportunity to show what it's like to put an England shirt on and uh, go out and represent their country. Yeah, it was interesting. You said, I think last time we had Joanne, you said you you do head down and look at step three and sometimes step four. Well, Brandon Goodship, who's been scoring goals for fun at Weymouth in step three this season, has found his way in. In fact, on the FA website, he scored that many goals. They put him on twice. So there we go. <laughs> but uh, well, he must have scored double goals. I know. I think. Twice, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's happened. But yeah, he's, I mean, he scored an absolute hatful this year and, and, and deserves his call up. Yeah. Look, you know, we we we've seen previous in this in this uh, podcast, you know, strikers are vital, aren't they, for any any side from the top level right the way down to any level. And uh, you know, the boy Goodship has gone in and uh, yeah, he's scoring goals, you know, not for fun, but he's scoring because he's been good at what he does and uh, good goal scorer. When they come along, we've got to look at them, see them, what why they do it, how they do it. You know, that lad's been given a chance, and I think that also not uh, proves a point, but it also shows other players at that level, hold on a minute, if we start performing and doing well, people are looking and taking notice. And uh, yeah, he's in the group, uh, he's in the squad and uh, he's got a good chance to, uh, to show us what, he can, what he's about. Yeah, and that game is a week on Tuesday at Salford City's Peninsula Stadium. Tuesday the 19th of March, if you are in the area or in the northwest at all, uh, get along and um, give the England boys a cheer against Wales. Rich, thanks for joining us. Best of luck next weekend and enjoy uh, enjoy your trip down to Leighton Orient. Hopefully it'll be a, a fruitful one. Thanks very much indeed. You know, we, we're going there with um, nothing to lose. So, yeah, let's see how we go. Mick, thanks for joining us. We'll see you at the England Sea game, me and Chris. Well, for me, it's always a pleasure to come on with you guys and, you know, talk National League, National League South and North. You guys are uh, the lifeblood of all the non-league football for me and uh, it's just absolutely brilliant to be part of what you do. So, 
Wish you well, and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing you up at the uh, Salford Game in the England seating. And that is all for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, go on iTunes and Spotify, and that'll be uploaded to your phone every Monday. And I've been Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for listening. Happy football watching, and we'll see you all very soon.